Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host, Chloe Brotheridge, and this is the place to be to become your calmest, happiest, and most confident self. I've got an amazing guest this week. I'm speaking to Dr. Hazel Wallace, who is also known as the Food Medic, and she's the author of the new book, The Food Medic for Life. And I was lucky enough to get my hands on an advanced copy of this. And I have to say, it is incredibly accessible. It's not overwhelming. There aren't loads of strange ingredients in there. And it really is designed for people who are on the go, who live busy lives, but want to eat well. And what I love particularly about Hazel's work is that everything is based on science. There's no jargon. There's no kind of airy fairy nutrition advice in there. It is really grounded in science and very practical. And I think this is a book that I'm going to be dipping in and out of again and again. So in this interview, we're going to be discussing Hazel's journey with healthy eating because it wasn't always um, as smooth as it appears now. We're going to talk about the best things that you can eat for energy. And she's going to share with us her tips for remaining calm because Hazel is extremely busy, extremely busy. She's not only a doctor, but she also is writing books and doing events and all sorts of things. So I really wanted to get her take on how she manages to stay calm in a very hectic world. So if you've got a friend who could benefit from this podcast, then why not send them a message about it? You could take a little screen grab and text it to them, or you could post it on Instagram. Please help us to share the news about this podcast, and I'd really, really appreciate it. And please do consider subscribing and leaving a review if you've enjoyed this podcast. So let's get into the interview with Hazel, where I start off asking her about her own journey with healthy eating and how she came to become a doctor with an interest in nutrition. So I grew up in Ireland on the East Coast in a place called Black Rock, which is like a little fishing village. And my family just always kind of like, we're into food, but not necessarily like healthy cooking per se, just like really good, wholesome, home-cooked meals. And my mum was a stay-at-home mum. So she taught me and my sisters um, from a really young age how to cook, but not not like she didn't intend to set out and teach us how to cook. It was just we always had a place um, in the cooking process, whether it, your job was peeling the potatoes or you had to stir something in the pot or chop something else up. We always had, um, it was kind of a bit of a family thing to get involved in cooking. And this was like every weeknight, um, we would have dinner together. 
Um, like most families, I think breakfast was always a bit hectic. Lunch would be in school, but dinner, my mum and my dad made a point of everyone having it together um, when my dad got back from work. And I think that kind of ingrained something in me that like family time is dinner time and it was very much a ritual. And then I think like what any um any family or I guess any nationality I like in Ireland food is is just so like integral to everything like when someone passes away we have a wake where like for days you have like people come around to the house and have lots of food and stuff so like I related it to weddings to funerals to everything and for me it was very important um so as a young young kid I guess I was really interested in it and I loved the baking and all of that but when I was 14, I lost my father um, to a stroke and he was actually having dinner with us on a Saturday afternoon um, and he had a mini stroke. I even remember what we were eating at the time was mm. spaghetti bolognese and he was rushed to hospital and um, had a bigger stroke a couple of days later and didn't survive. Mm. So that was the biggest turning point for me because he had recently been diagnosed with um like borderline type 2 diabetes and also high blood pressure and although I was you know I was a teenager but I was still young and I remember him checking his blood sugars in the morning and also he started going to the gym he was like doing various things like not having sugar in his tea so I think that was the first time I made the link between food and health and then after I lost my dad I grieved very very hard um for a couple of years I lost a lot of weight I kind of lost not lost my friends but I really moved away from them because I just didn't want to be with anyone Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be around food I stopped cooking and I lost a lot of weight um I think it was a it was just a very joyless time for me and it wasn't until like my mum basically grabbed me by the shoulders and almost begged me to come to the GP with her and find a way out of this kind of black hole I'd gotten myself into and my GP was so understanding she was so lovely and she's probably the most the one of the first people who inspired me to become a doctor and she was like what can we do to to fix this Hazel and I was like I just need someone to tell me what to eat to get healthy again so we met a dietitian she helped me um kind of build up a meal plan to help me put on weight and every week after school I go see her and have a weigh-in and um as I was putting on weight I actually came on quite quickly because I felt like I had such good support which I, I understand I was very lucky to have and I wanted to get better because I had exams coming up and I was like I just want to be fit and healthy and enjoy my teenage years and I ended up putting the weight on but what I noticed was as I started eating again, my energy and my happiness came back. Like Mm. I started enjoying food again. I started going out more. I felt like I had this new lease of life. And I think that was when it was an even bigger connection on a personal level that food can, it's not always bad. It's not like in my father's case, it was detrimental for his health. But in my case, it was healing me. Mm. And anyway, all of this, I think, happened on a subconscious level and I decided I was going to be a doctor so I moved away to Wales at the age of 18 studied medical sciences and then medicine after that but throughout my medical career 
I, you know, I always thought I would be a GP or a neurologist. I was interested in the brain, but not necessarily food. Well, I didn't think so. And then, as you do, moved away from uni. I wasn't cooking anymore. I was living on um, cider. I was in Wales <laughs> and a lot of uh, takeaways and things like that. And I realized that by the end of my first year, I'd piled on weight. But not only that, I was really unfit. I had... <laughs> asthma which was out of control and um I just thought to myself look you're going to be a doctor do you really want to be a doctor who can't run for a bus so that's when I really delved into the literature um and found out what should I really be eating what's the best diet and also I joined a gym for the first time um I'd been to a gym a couple of times but I mean when I I'd go on a treadmill I didn't I wanted to learn how to lift weights because I'd been reading a lot around the benefits of that on musculoskeletal health and also um in on stabilizing blood sugar levels so I was just really fascinated how we could improve our health with this I guess free medicine like Mm. physical activity sleep management and food and that's when I started my blog the food medic and now I'm you know I've been doing that for six years I'm now working as a doctor in London still blogging and the second book comes out tomorrow. <laughs> amazing, amazing. Yeah, really, um, really interesting journey that you've been on and that, you know, having had those experiences yourself and also obviously your medical training puts you in this amazing position to be able to, to share, um, you know, scientific, but also your own experiences with, with food and eating well. Um, why do you think it's all so confusing for us and in terms of um, kind of eating well and, you know, what we should and shouldn't eat. And, you know, there are good foods and there are bad foods. Why do you think we're so confused? I think um, largely because nutritional science is relatively new and it's not the most robust. So we don't have the best studies. And as you've probably seen, like throughout the past couple of decades, it's the guidelines have even changed. You know, one minute we're like recommended to be low fat and then we're encouraged to get in healthy fats. And because that's forever changing, that's one element of the confusion. But also now in the era of social media, um, health and fitness is absolutely on the rise. Everyone wants to be eating the best diet. Everyone wants to look the best way. And I guess a lot of people are peddling um, unfounded science basically behind these things because Ultimately, people see that there's a market there. They want to make money. They want to sell books. They want to sell supplements. So it's quite confusing to know who to trust. Um, And I mean, I think we've had a huge turnaround, particularly last year with a lot of really great nutritionists and also doctors writing scientifically um, kind of evidence-based books. But you also have like a lot of celebs like jumping on the bandwagon. Mm. None of them are qualified. Um, they might look great but they probably have their own chef and like they've been on some very restrictive diet and I think that's where my concern is because anyone can make um, a diet sound great if they have the body or the appearance to sell it and I I personally don't like to focus on the aesthetic side of, side of things like I deal with with patients from you know all ages and for me it's just about improving health and health parameters whether that's like improving someone's like walking distance or blood pressure cholesterol and I think we in this whole social media era it's just so focused on our appearance and it's 
it's not really the best way to go I don't think and it can be confusing yeah absolutely I think so much of it is focused on how things look and not about how it feels as well so yeah you know you're going to feel terrible if you go on one of these really extreme extreme diets um so and I think I'm sure it was one of your tweets where you you mentioned the word nutribollocks which is one of my favorite <laughs> favorite terms mm. to sort of talk about a lot of those a lot yeah. of those kind of diets and things that are going around so I like that term a lot um <clears throat> what what were the things that you know when you started to learn more about eating well and nutrition what were the things that surprised you the most about um what you learned um I think I was looking for like everyone else like the magic bullet like that you know was the key to health like when I first delved into it um at the time low carb uh high fat diets were really on the rise a lot of bodybuilding communities were doing it and um I I actually read a lot of books from American doctors who were talking about it. Some are like really well-trained cardiologists with years of experience. So I bought into it also. And then when I came around to actually going through all the papers to find out how much evidence is behind this, I realized there's actually not a whole lot of evidence. It works for certain populations, um, like the ketogenic diets, like good for um, like you know, people with epilepsy, certain populations with type 2 diabetes, but not everyone. And I've seen, um, you know, certain people advising everyone to go on it. You know, this is the way to go. Carbs are bad for you. Grains are bad for you. It's going to give you Alzheimer's, everything. And I was like, whoa, like there really is just so much out there that, you know, people can buy into. There's people mm-hmm. selling books about stuff that is nonsense. Mm-hmm. So I think, that really shocked me because I, as a scientist, bought into it before I actually went and read because they make it sound so convincing and they might, they might quote a study, but until you go and actually read the study and find out it's based on like five people and, you know, like it wasn't a very, you know, good trial, then you, you kind of just like depending on these people to give you the proper advice. And if you don't have access to papers, you have to you have to take it for what they're saying. So I think I found that the most shocking and also concerning, which is why a lot of what I do is like myth busting. And although though I don't really want to that to be the sole thing I do, I don't want to come across as a negative person who's always saying that's not true, that's false, blah blah blah. Mm. I kind of see myself as a, like a big sister voice of reasoning online, where I'm like actually this is what the science says, that's not completely true, and giving people all of the facts, because as a doctor, it's it's like I'm ethically bound to give that advice and share all of that information. Yeah, yeah. And I suppose, kind of continuing on from that, um, a lot of people probably, I think they find, well, a lot of people that I speak to find nutrition overwhelming and almost an anxiety or stress provoking topic and they they know they want to eat well but they're they're hearing things like Atkins or different diets and very confused and what would you say to someone who's feeling overwhelmed and just wants to to eat well what 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 can they what can they do I would say um first of all 
um, someone else's diet is not the diet for you because we're such personal human beings. Even when it comes down to preferences, like simple things like specific, like like coriander, for example, we all taste that really differently. So you either hate it or love it. And it's the same with everything. And, you know, like you may be vegan or you may be a meat eater. We are all individual people and we do well off, off certain diets. Um, so there is no one cookie cutter diet that will suit everyone you have to find what suits you and I think the word diet has gotten a bad rep because we always relate diet to weight loss but I think focusing taking the focus away from weight or whatever kind of physical goal you may have it's fine to have goals that are aesthetic it's fine but I think it to take the pressure off just focus on habit building that you can achieve every day and simple things in your diet whether you find that you don't get enough fruits and vegetables into your diet can you aim to have five to seven a day and try to integrate like new fruits and vegetables into your diet like change it up variety is key because you get a whole new kind of set of nutrients in every fruit and vegetable Um, I always encourage people to cook from scratch which can be really daunting but it doesn't have to be like next level gourmet chef I am not a trained chef and yet I've written two cookbooks, but the, what I've tried to like bring through those cookbooks is a very simple approach where the ingredient list is super short. The ingredients you can pick up in any supermarket like Tesco, it doesn't have to be niche whole foods. You don't have to spend all of your money on superfoods. Um, any food can be a superfood with good marketing. Like it's just, it's about yeah. finding it's about finding the good foods that nourish you well. Um, and also like not beating yourself up. If you have a food that is um, like, I guess when we categorize foods as junk foods, but like less nutritious foods like chocolate cake and all of that, because it's all about having variety. And what I come back to in the book is um, how yes, food is fuel and the nutrient value of food is really important, but it's food is so much more than that. Like it is, family it's friends it's social and the healthiest populations in the world are those like the mediterranean around that mediterranean basin where they yes they eat lots of fruits and vegetables and whole grains but they also have wine and chocolate and they share breads and cheeses and enjoy their food um there's like a really interesting study or famous study from a couple of years ago when they asked americans and the french like which is the odd one out between um bread cheese and pasta and the Americans said bread and pasta because they're carbs. And the French are like, well, bread and cheese go together or was bread and butter go together. And it's just interesting mm. because they kind of like look at food completely differently as this joyous thing and like how it, you know, complements one another. Whereas I think in America, it's a huge, there's huge diet culture and people are very aware about what they put into their body, um, which is fine. But if we take it to the extreme, I just feel like you lose all joy. Mm -hmm. And I mean, we have the technology now where we can create pills with the right amount of calories, carbs, fats and proteins that you need every day to survive. But how joyless would that be? And I think like I always come back to that kind of that thought, like, are we going too reductionist and like too prescriptive with our food? Because I prescribe medication, but I never want to prescribe a diet. Yeah, I, I love that idea of getting back to the joy of eating. And, mm. I, you know, I can 
almost picture being in the Mediterranean now and, you know, you know how they take their time over their food and they sit down together to eat. I'm sure, I'm sure not all of them do, but this is my, my imagination. Yeah. Um, so kind of recapturing a bit of that um, and seeing it in a holistic way rather than, yeah, sort of prescribing some kind of diet. Um, for people that don't know, could you explain what the Mediterranean diet is? Yeah. Um, so you'll find like in many papers that the definition tends to change, but basically it's a type of diet that's focused around um, largely plant-based foods. So a lot of whole grains, fruits and vegetables, um, oily fish, minimal meat and processed meat. Um, but they don't just focus on the the types of nutrients in the food. They focus also on the provenance of food um, and sustainability and, and the kind of the whole social side of things as well, um, which is just really fantastic. It's something that we don't focus on in our dietary guidelines. And I feel like it would be really nice to see that integrated into the guidelines where we we kind of encourage people to share food with family um, or even like encourage people to sit down for 20 minutes with every meal. Because there's so much evidence as well to say that families who eat together like more than three times a week or at least three times a week tend to be um, of a healthy weight, um, have lower risk factors and are happier. And I just think I know it's unattainable for every family, but if you get the opportunity to have a family meal or not even have it, but share it with your partner or your friend or have your lunch outside with your colleague, then absolutely do it because when you eat and sit mindfully, you're not only giving yourself that kind of peace of mind, but you actually absorb more nutrients because chewing slowly and thinking about the food is actually an act of digestion because you're switching on all of those processes. That's such good advice for so many of us that will often eat meals in front of the laptop or will be on our phones while we're eating and actually just to take that time and get back to spending time with people and eating more mindfully it's so so important definitely yeah um and I think you mentioned chocolate a minute ago um (laughs) is dark chocolate good for us I know a lot of people are going to be wondering this at home and hoping and wishing and praying (laughs) yeah um it's interesting I I always I always hear people overhear people say well have dark chocolate because it's better for me and there is some truth to that there is plant-based chemicals called polyphenols and they are in chocolate but they're the richest in dark chocolate so they're zero in white chocolate the higher the percentage of chocolate the higher the amount of polyphenols um the only thing is in studies i doubt they're using the chocolate that we buy in the shops they're Mm. probably using very very rich um cocoa but there is some evidence to say that it can reduce your blood pressure there's also some evidence around it being beneficial for your good gut bacteria so i i think it's a great food to have in your diet but again if you don't enjoy dark chocolate don't just eat it because you think it's healthy for you i personally love it so i'll eat it till the cows come home <laughs> okay so it's been been approved by dr <laughs> hazel wallace so we can all just go ahead and enjoy our dark chocolate that's good good news um what about in terms of energy and kind of keeping energy levels up because um, I suppose lots of us we are so kind of busy or we're stressed and we don't necessarily sleep well and so the days can feel like we're you know dragging ourselves around 
um, we don't have that energy. What advice would you have in terms of just eating for energy? I would say um, try to keep your meals as consistent as possible. Um, a lot of people tend to skip meals when they're busy and then kind of lump it all into one portion of the day whether it's really late at night. But that can lead to a lot of digestive problems, disrupted sleep, um, and you tend to not get as many nutrients if you're kind of eating it all in one meal because you're not going to eat all your five a day and stuff in a, in a meal. Um, so for me, like I'm, I'm quite busy, especially when I'm working in the hospital, but I always bring like a packed lunch with me. I always prep my breakfast the night before and being prepared ahead of time means that like, even when you are rushing around, you always have that meal to put your hand to because sometimes, you know, supermarkets and stuff can't offer you the food that you need to keep you going. Um, like so things that are going to give you energy throughout the day are, are kind of slow releasing carbs like oats are a great part a great breakfast in the morning so oats and chia seeds I love making um to make like an overnight oats which is really simple to make you can make it the night before just put your oats in a jar a tablespoon of chia seed or flaxseed some plant milk or water whatever you want to use top it with berries peanut butter whatever and then pop it in a jar and bring it with you the next day and it's so easy but it means that you're going to start your day with a good breakfast you won't be like starving by 11 o'clock and then having your lunch with you and the easiest thing to do if you're crazy crazy busy is to just double up on your dinner the night before and portion it out or one of the things that I encourage people to do when I'm you know speaking at work events is to lunch share like you would car share with a colleague so you know one one week one day you bring in lunch, one day she or he brings in lunch. And it's kind of, it encourages you all to cook um, and also try different foods because what they like you may not have tried before. And it's just a really nice, it's a nice little thing to do with a friend as well. Um, so that will be my top tip. That's such a good idea. I'd never thought of, of doing that actually, but that, yeah. that would save a lot of time. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, one of the things that I've learned from your book is, about the value of preparation and doing a bit of preparation can actually mean that you have more time and you're going to have more energy and you're feeling nourished so you feel better and you're more able to handle your busy lifestyle and mm. this is something that I need to get back into because I used to be so much better with cooking but I haven't been prioritizing it I don't like to say I haven't I don't like to say I've been too busy because actually I think it is about what we prioritize and I haven't necessarily mm. been prioritizing kind of batch cooking and preparing things in advance so I'm feeling quite inspired to to start to do that now so yeah. um so yeah and you're obviously very busy I have to say <laughs> it's quite amazing everything you do because you're a doctor and you've written this book and you're also a personal trainer um how do you how do you sort of manage to, to do everything to take care of yourself and find time for things and what do you do to to look after yourself and unwind I think um it really comes down to time management and prioritizing and self-care as a part of that. Like I, I, if you asked me, you know, two years ago, I wasn't really into self-care. I didn't really sleep very much. I just wanted to work all the time and I almost burnt myself out. I was doing great, but I was burning myself out and not enjoying life. And that was when I kind of started integrating like small practices of downtime Um and as I read about it, like as a scientist, I feel like I need to know the research around 
and mindfulness and meditation and, you know, the benefits of sleep before I kind of really throw myself into it because then I can like fully kind of ingrain it within me. And now I'm absolutely like an absolute stickler for getting good quality sleep. Even if I'm busy and I'm traveling, am I, I'm not getting eight hours. I'm just getting six. I try to make sure the quality of my sleep doesn't change. So it's things like I always bring like a sleep spray of just like lavender it's probably more of a placebo thing for me, but it helps me relax. Um, I like doing a bedtime meditation and also not going on my phone a half an hour to an hour beforehand. Um, it's simple things like that. I meditate every morning, which kind of sets me up for the day where I'm a bit more, I guess, I set my intentions and it brings down that kind of like fight or flight mode and helps me kind of attack the day but in a better tone mm. um and like simple things like going for a walk with an audiobook I I believe that like if we don't have a simple if we don't have these mechanisms in place when we're really busy we're just going to burn out and the power of saying no is completely like we underestimate it but I think it's everyone's biggest word but in this day and age where we have access to everything, we're always switched on. It's really hard to say no. And you kind of feel obliged to always be, be available. And, um, last weekend I took, um, a 30 people on a retreat and I put them on a phone detox, including myself. So we all put our phones, switched them off and put them in a bucket on Friday. And then wow. took them back. I know it's quite it was radical, so, isn't it? <laughs> it was so radical. And then we we got them back on a, on Sunday. And like when I put them on the table on Sunday, because some people are leaving early, I was like, "Look, the phones are there. You can take them whenever you want." And like everyone took them, like just when they were leaving the door, they didn't want them back, even when I gave them to them. Um, we had like a lot of people cry because they were just like, I just don't want to go back to the rat race. I just had such a nice time. And yeah. it was, it was such an emotional weekend, but we did a lot of self healing through meditation, like going out for walks. It was in the middle of like this gorgeous countryside in Ireland and Kerry. So people were fully like submerged with like all the cows and the sheep. And it was a really lovely weekend, but I'm doing it again in two weekends and I'd recommend anyone do it. Like mm. even for 24 hours, pop your phone in a drawer. It just almost resets your mind frame and makes you think, actually, I can survive without that thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So that's a bit of a challenge for for, yeah. for everyone at home to, <laughs> yeah. to, to give a go. And I can imagine, I mean, I, I do have boundaries around my phone, but the thought of not having my phone for a whole weekend makes me feel a little bit on edge to be honest but that's probably a really good sign that I actually need to do it um so if you're you know people listening if it makes them feel a bit anxious the thought of not having their phone I think that you know you're the one that needs it the most basically I think so absolutely and one thing that it the big the hardest thing was um we didn't have an alarm to wake everyone up so we had to depend on one another to wake each other up and this was like 30 people but what everyone was going home saying was I'm actually going to buy an alarm clock now and not depend on my phone for that and that's what I do at home because I think if you don't bring your phone into your room it's a re- it kind of keeps that really nice environment where you're not switched on or you don't wake up at 3am and check your emails mm, yeah it's so true yeah I often recommend people actually get a proper alarm clock because yeah if your emails or your you know social media the first thing you see in the morning and the last thing at night you're not 
setting yourself up great for the day or for a good night's sleep. So no, yeah, get an alarm clock. That's really good. <laughs> um, amazing. And just just lastly, in terms of exercise, um, yeah, what would you? What I mean, do you have a sort of general recommendation for what people should be doing? Particularly, I think most people listening are going to be anxious or stressed or busy. Um, what would you recommend that people can can be doing? I um, it's completely dependent on people. I think, like with diet, your your choice of exercise needs to be personal to you and something that you enjoy. Um, so, like, I absolutely love weightlifting, and even on my busiest days, I will try to go to the gym, or I have like a pair of weights at home, and I'll I'll do it here, um, because it really really grounds me. It's not like I'm doing. I won't do something that's intense if I'm stressed because our body can't really tell the difference between physical stress and, and emotional stress. So if someone has a very stressed job or they're going through a stressful time, I encourage doing something that's low impact, whether that's yoga, going for like long walks, listening to an audiobook, or doing something that's slow and controlled like weightlifting, which is quite methodical. Mm. And you almost have to like really focus on what you're doing and, um, it's that brain muscle connection as well. And I find people find that really um, relaxing, even though it's kind of, you know, it's quite difficult. But because you're moving through it at a slow pace, it's not a really sweaty um, class where you're jumping on a treadmill, jumping on the floor. It's just you go at your own pace. And I think what I encourage people to do when they're busy is to set out dates in their diary to book an appointment with themselves in the gym or to go for a walk or a class and to kind of keep that and that is your time and that's your me time and enjoy it so you know there's some people who absolutely hate the gym and that is fine but it's it's finding what works for you because mm. there's no one right way of exercising and if you can't fit it in in a 30 45 minute session you know five times a week just break it up into little chunks throughout the week you know mm. um and it's all about staying active but also not being sedentary so like if you find you're you know you're pretty good at going for runs in the evening but you sit down for the most of your day that in itself also is a risk factor for many health problems so even throughout your day just try be mindful to like get up have a glass of water you know go for a walk on your lunch break have a standing desk just anything you can do to be active actually will add up you know like even power cleaning the house is like literally going to get your heart rate up yeah yeah amazing I love that idea of booking in just time in your diary and making that time to, to exercise and weightlifting as well it is surprisingly calming isn't it it mm, is because it is yeah. slow and controlled and you know you feel because I've been weightlifting for a while as well um you feel quite empowered afterwards you realize actually I I lifted that and I think it helps to give you the sense of confidence as well, which I think helps with stress and anxiety as well. So absolutely, get on the weightlifting. Yeah, one hundred percent. And I think, especially with weightlifting, you see the progress in the weights you're lifting, the amount you can do, and it's quite nice to like look at it from a performance perspective rather than looking at your body or things that you want to mm. change about yourself, and rather focus on the really positive things that you're doing well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for chatting to me. And um, can you tell us about where people can find out more about you, your social media and your website? Yeah, absolutely. So um, 
I'm, you can find me under the food medic on like all social media channels, whether it's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Um, my website is um, www.thefoodmedic.co.uk. Amazing, amazing. And definitely check out her book, The Food Medic for Life. I'm definitely going to be dipping in and out of this a lot, I think, for a long thank time you. to come. So, yeah, thank you so much. And hope you have a good, good week. Thank you. Great, thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.